Well, I want you to get in your Bibles and turn to John 15, 16. How many enjoy the Tag You're It series? I am absolutely loving this. I want you to go to John 15, verse 16. If you don't have a Bible, look up there on the screens with us. And uh, I want you to uh, just read it out loud with me because I just love when you affirm with your words what Jesus said about you. Don't, don't look at Pastor Sam and say, God will use him and tag him. No, he's talking about you. He is talking about you. Ready? Here we go. Ready? Let's read together. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Some of you think that you can't produce fruit anymore for the kingdom of God. You just feel like I'm... I just lost my, my spiritual edge, my productivity. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about this just a little bit today. But how many of you ever, how many ever, um, how many ever remember playing on the, 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 the playground and you'd always do something and then you always say, no take backs? Have you ever heard that term, no take backs? Slug bug, you know, you see something, slug bug, no take backs, I gotta hit you, you know, in the arm, gently. Okay, no violence here. But you remember those no take backs? Well, you know, it really is a term, no take backs. It, it, it is, uh, it is, it's a command that instructs another party that once you have given something to someone, they cannot change their mind and they can never get it back if they released it to you. I think that's the way some people really feel in the body of Christ that somehow you have messed up or you're beyond God's use and shelf life. You feel like you're beyond God's shelf life and you're looking at what used to be and you think God can't use you and somehow you feel that you cannot get back or recover something that has been taken from you and Satan says, no take backs, it'll never be the same. You can never experience joy, you can never experience freedom, you can never be used by God. Satan is into no take backs, but how many of you know that God is in to take backs? He's into take backs, he's into comebacks, he's into recoveries. And how many believe he is a God that's going to restore what you think can never be restored to you ever again? Can I get a witness today? Amen. So we've been studying the life of Elisha who was tagged by Elijah. And we start seeing this, how we are tagged. But you need to know you're tagged so you can take back. Because Jesus said, you are to be producing fruit, you are to go, there's productivity in you, but there's somehow someone has dumbed you down, I almost say Satan, but he might have done it through an individual that makes you think you can never get back what seemingly has been lost from you, that you can never, ever see anything be recovered for you or take back. So I'm going to take you to a story in 2 Kings chapter 6, I want to go there, okay? And uh, I'll just read you the story, but this is about men of God, people of God who were so diligent for God, doing great things for God, and all of a sudden, it looks like there's a no take back. So it's in 2 Kings 6, let's start with verse one. Here's what it says. One day, the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, as you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the river, Jordan River, where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them. Go ahead. 
Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. It was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall? Where did it fall, the man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. What a miracle of a take back, everybody. Now, this is an unusual story, but I, I'd venture to say that this is not an unusual story for a lot of you sitting in this room or those of you sitting at home. Because there are many of you that feel like you have lost something in your passion, your cutting edge with God, your joy. You feel like you've lost things that your productivity for the kingdom of God. In fact, you don't you, you, you even find yourself here, but you're not here. And you feel like you've lost productivity for the kingdom of God. And that's exactly what happened to this servant of God. And God says, I'm into take backs. And here's, here's something that I just really believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you because I, 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 as I studied this, boy, I found some stuff in here that just whew, got me going. Hope it gets you going. Amen. But here's the first thing. I believe God wants to take back your productivity for the kingdom of God. Some of you have lost your productivity. Now, how many of you love productivity and you love success? Okay, I love success. It's, I love it. I love hanging around it. And Elisha basically kind of was the president of this Bible college, this, the school of these prophets. He was kind of the president, and it was growing. The school was growing, and they're going, man, we got to get a bigger building. We need new dormitories. The cafeteria is too small. There's productivity. I mean, I love hanging out where there's things happening for the kingdom of God. I don't know, maybe you were there one time. Maybe you, maybe you felt your marriage was productive. Maybe you thought your career path was productive. Maybe you thought it was, you, there was something producing happening. All of a sudden, they're producing, and it's exciting times. But the one of the young men said, I'm going to go borrow an axe. I'm going to go chop some trees, and he borrows an axe. And while he's chopping, the axe head slips off, and it falls into the Jordan. The Jordan is muddy. You can't see fast current, and you can't see anything. And he says, this is toast. We're never going to get this back. I mean, here it is, iron just sinking to the bottom of that river that's moving so swiftly, we'll never get it back. And all of a sudden, everything screeches to a halt and stops. I wonder, do you feel like everything in your life spiritually has come to a stop? While everybody else was enjoying the worship time, you were enduring our worship time. While everybody's excited to be in the house of God, you're looking at your watch the whole time saying, he doesn't need a watch when he preaches, he needs a calendar. <laughs> Is there something in you where you just say, I'm going to try to get by with this, oh no, here's the offering time, I'd rather have a root canal right now. Was there something in your life that all of a sudden, that joy, that productivity, that moving forward for God, all of a sudden, it just slips off and it falls, and you don't ever think you're ever going to get it back? Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's, maybe, it's in your, maybe it's in your school life, and you're just so burnt out, I don't want to do anything. School. It's just like everything seems to be lost, and everything comes to a halt. This happens in our spiritual edge, our spiritual joy, our spiritual purpose. It doesn't just fall off, folks. It slips off. This thing just didn't all of a sudden fall. It slipped off. 
So here's my question for everybody and those of you sitting at home. Has your axe head slipped? Has it slipped? Has, has it slipped? Where all of a sudden you used to love the word, you couldn't wait to turn on the praise and worship music that morning, and you couldn't wait to get into the word, and all of a sudden it's just slipping and you've lost your passion for that. You used to love to spend time with the Lord, and you used to, used to love it, and, and, and now it, the only time you find yourself praying is maybe over a Big Mac. Maybe. And all of a sudden, it just slips. It's just something the family does. We're going to catch up when we get Thanksgiving, get the family together. I've been rehearsing my prayer so everybody knows I'm a real spiritual man here. I mean, it just kind of slips. And then things start slipping where here's this church, this, this, this school of prophets, it's growing, it's productive, there's joy, there's excitement, but something slips and now all of a sudden you used to love to come to church and now you find yourself maybe showing up once every other month, maybe once a month. You, you, you enjoyed the worship but you're skipping the word or you like that song but you don't like that song so I'll tune out and just things start slipping, slipping. You used to want to be like Jesus, whatever you want, Jesus, whatever sacrifice. And now, even in your worship of giving to God, it's a challenge for you because you feel like somebody's trying to get something from you when God's really trying to get something to you. And so now, your giving has just slipped. Just slipped. Just slipped. Should I continue on? Because all of us get there. You used to love to go to a small group, and now all you can do is find every little issue to pick on every person in that small group, and it just slips where you don't want to even fellowship with God's people anymore. It just slips. You used to love to serve. You used to love to get involved in worship. You used to love to get involved in service. You used to love the worship time, and now it's just slipping. It hasn't fallen off. It just starts slipping. And here's the point about slipping, because I'm going to tell you, I don't care if you're leading the church. You can slip and not even know it. Your productivity is going on. You see successes everywhere, but you start slipping. And here's what happens. When you slowly disconnect from him, you slowly disconnect from productivity for him. And you start seeing it happen in these little areas where productivity stops. I'm telling you, it's time to take back your spiritual edge, your cutting edge, and your productivity again. That's what this message is about, bringing back that edge, that excitement, that joy of the Lord. I, I'm not talking about some little fake pinup smile. I'm talking about a depth of wanting his presence and productivity comes out of it. Why is this so important? Because when you slowly disconnect from him, I promise you, those things that are slipping are going to fly off one time, and then the enemy says you'll never recover him. I'm here to tell the devil is a liar. You can take back anything you want to take back. And I, I'm, I'm serious about that. Look, look, look what Jesus said. This is why when you disconnect, you disconnect from productivity. Look what he said in John 15, 5, the verse before the, our main text that we had. He says, I am the what? And he says, and you are? Look at your neighbor say, you're a branch. <laughs> you're a branch. What's his? He said, if a man or a woman remains in me and I in him, watch this, staying connected, he will bear he told us to go produce much fruit, but it doesn't happen outside of you being connected, disconnected from him. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, you're the vine. I'm the vine. You're the branches. Go and bear this stuff. Where'd it go? 
It's all right, I won't need it right now. I wouldn't need it anyway after I fell on the floor. This is what displays his glory. This is what people need to taste. It really is good. You know, have you noticed I've been eating a lot in my sermons lately? <laughs> he said to produce this. This is you. You are not this. Some of you have disconnected, and so you think your money is this. So when you lose your job, you just lose it all. You lose it all. The, the marriage isn't performing like it is. You're losing the fruit, but you think this is it. This is you. No, this is not. This is you. This is you. This comes out of you as long as you stay connected to him. So your lack of productivity is directly related from you disconnected. The reason this will die and become raisins is because it's disconnected from the vine. And here's what happens. When we start doing that, you want to give people you. You think this is you, but this is you. And when they eat this, I will not eat this. I will not eat this. I don't care how much roughage you think it's going to give me. It, I am not eating this. It tastes bad. It tastes sloppy. I don't want to eat it. I want to spit it out. And here's what the world is tasting too much. They're tasting too much of you and not enough of this. And the reason they can't get this is because this has been disconnected from loving him and his presence and word and everything else. And you're disconnecting. So the lack of productivity is directly rated from you, the branch, separating from the vine that feeds you. And this is why this is no longer being produced. God says, I want you to take back your productivity, but it comes with you directly related to me. And when you start connecting to his presence, when you start connecting to that vine, Jesus Christ, oh, I'm going to tell you, the world can't rob your joy no matter which direction it goes. I mean, the Dow Jones can be down, but you are still up. I find hope in a slap across the face as long as I'm connected to his presence. You're not going to steal my joy. You're not going to rob my happiness. Why? Because you are not my joy. He is, the, he is the vine. I'm the branch. And I just hope a little bit of the fruit that comes through me will get to you and say, I like a little bit more of that. And it's not me. Don't eat the twig. Eat the grape because that's the glory of God, the productivity of God. Can somebody say amen? So many people don't get any joy out of, out of being with the, the bride of Christ, the body, because they've lost their productivity. I know people give a lot of excuses. I got hurt at church. I get church hurt. I get all that. Why don't we just say, why don't we say business hurt too? But you don't go, keep going to work. You don't stop going to work. Let's talk about school hurt. Where somebody talked down to you at school, but you're still going back to school. Then why in the world do you stop going to church because you get church hurt? Problem is, is you've been eating too many twigs and branches and you hadn't been eating fruit and you got to get back to the vine. Oh, Jesus, help us all. When you lose your joy in serving Jesus Christ, you lose your productivity. Look what Jesus said in John 15, 60. He said, I appointed you, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. So when lasting fruit starts happening, here's what happens when you start praying a little bit and you see God's blessing and everything else. Here's what happens. When anything prospers, one or two things will set in. One or two things will set in. Either the spirit of satisfaction or the spirit of sacrifice. Whatever you start producing, 
either the spirit of satisfaction that this is good enough so I don't need to keep on going back and keep connected or the spirit of sacrifice, I got to keep surrendering to him. I got to keep putting, taking up the cross. I got to keep worshiping God. I got to stay in his presence because that's what's producing the fruit or a spirit of satisfaction. We got enough here. Mm. But I love growth and I love fruit and it's not because of Sam. Sam's just the delivery boy. I stay connected to the vine, and somehow maybe some fruit will come out of this. And I love it when I see it grow, because you know why? Because anything that moves causes friction. Anything that has motion causes friction. Your car engine, I don't care how cold it was out there, it was heating up and it's hot and you don't want to touch the block or the manifold of that car because you know the friction, as cold as it can be, is going to produce a heat and a fire because anything that's having movement causes friction. And anything that is dead, can I tell you, doesn't move. Growth always causes challenges. Don't you love the challenges of growth? Come on. How many know family causes friction because it's growing? Listen, you were doing all good by yourself being single, but you wanted to be married because you wanted the fruit of marriage. But boy, with that fruit, you have found some friction you never thought you would ever found when you were by yourself. But there's something greater coming out of you because you chose to grow. And then some of you get married, then you decide, you know, we want to have children. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice to have little pitter-patter, little feet going around? But you don't even want to talk about all the dirty diapers and the sleepless nights. You don't want to talk about all that. You don't want to talk about colic. You don't want to talk about having to drive the kid around the block three times at 4 o'clock in the morning to finally get him to sleep. But you know what? You do it because you love the growth, and anything that grows causes friction, and anything that is not growing is dead and is not moving. Where are you spiritually with God? I love, and that's the reason why, in our life, even at this church, we are willing to pay the price. I remember the first time we started, when I first came here, we wanted to do servant evangelism. We wanted to give bottles of water away. We wanted to help the schools. I'll never forget somebody says, well, we pay our taxes. Let them take care of it. Growth always causes friction. But we were willing to pay what it costs to be paid in order for the growth of the kingdom to occur. And church, you have been doing it for over 90 years. You have been doing it for 17 years here because you love to take back the productivity that Satan says, it's just good enough. Can't we just do this? Can't it just be good enough the way it is? Can't we just leave this alone? Can't we leave the music alone? Can't we leave everything alone? I love just how it's working. Let it just be there. Church, come on. How many know we are taking back productivity and any kind of productivity in your life will cause friction in your life, but you'll rather grow than die. I would. I would. How many, how many of you came to the annual business meeting? Okay. How many did not come to the annual business meeting? There are more hands that need to go up than that, I'm telling you right now, amen? Now, I tell you, it was a great report, but I'm going to tell you something, and I don't say this. Listen, please understand. The fruit that you are producing because you are willing to take the friction and do whatever it takes to win people to Jesus Christ. Do you know how many souls came to the Lordship of Jesus Christ this past year alone? Over 3,089 people came to Jesus Christ this year through this body because you said, I will pay the price. Whatever it takes, God, I will pray. I will seek God. I will fast. I'll do whatever it is. I'll give. I'll do whatever it takes to win. 
Do you know that out of that 3,089, do you know that 2,279, it was the very first time that they ever said yes to Jesus Christ. 2,279 souls have finally said yes to Jesus, everybody. I'm not about to back up. Go find you a different pastor. I am not backing up. I am not letting up. I am not shutting up. I'm going to tell you, as long as I stay connected to the vine, let the fruit come forward. Amen? But have you lost your productivity? These guys said, we got to have a bigger place. We got more stuff to do. Oh, you're going to hear more stuff we got to do. More stuff that's got to be done to win people to Jesus Christ. But have you lost your edge? Have you lost being a part of that productivity? You lost the giving, lost the worship, lost the witnessing, lost the serving? Have you lost it? Because it's directly related to being disconnected, slowly slipping off from the vine. How we doing, church? I mean, up there, we, I mean, we need more volunteers than we've ever needed. Did you know the nursery? By the way, do you know what the nursery? Do you know our nursery? Just our nursery this past year, has increased by 15% of kids growing. Young families are coming here by 15% over the last year. Now, that may not mean nothing to you, but when you look at the national statistics of children's ministries around the nation, they are in a steep decline, and God added fruit of 15%, higher numbers of kids coming because they're hungry for Jesus. They want to grow in the Lord, and we need some of you to start serving again. It's going to require more sacrifice, more giving, more step. But take a Let me ask you a question. Do you want back your productivity? Do you want back your purpose? Do you want back your joy? Do you want back the things of God? Then I'm going to tell you, start getting connected to his presence like you've never been connected and watch God start using you. Oh, in fact, I'm going to tell you, the happiest people in this church are people that are serving in this church. Hands down. The most joyful people in this congregation that I meet are those that are sitting there giving something away and say, I'm just here to serve. And you know why I believe that? Because Psalm 102 says this. It says, worship the Lord with gladness. You know what that word worship was? It wasn't just something come up lifting hands during Sunday morning service. You know what worship was there? It's actually, in the Hebrew, it's actually the word to serve, to work, to get involved. It's, that's what it means, Productivity. I believe the most joyful people in this place are the people that are serving because serving is worship to the Lord Jesus Christ. I say take back the productivity. Get your prayer life back. Get your word back. Get your worship back. Get it all back. How many believe it's time to take back things you think have been lost? Take back your productivity. Oh, I love this. I love this. Here's the second thing the Holy Spirit said. He's not you're just going to take back your productivity, but you're going to take back your purpose. Follow me in verse 2. He says, let's go down to the Jordan River. This is what the young man said. Where, we, where there are plenty of logs, there we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, Elisha said. Go ahead. Now let me tell you something about these Old Testament prophets. These Old Testament prophets represented God himself and the will of God to the people. That's what they represented. They represented the voice of God, the presence of God. That's what they represented. So don't just make it about a human being. This is about connecting directly with the voice of God and the purpose of God. Now look what these guys said. They said before we move forward with our productivity, we are first going to ask God, is this what you even want us doing? They were wanting God's approval before they did anything. They wanted approval. 
See, do the work God wants done, but do it in the way that he wants it done. It's not just doing it, what does, how does he want you to do it? And they were saying, we are going to go to God and we're gonna ask God because our purpose will never be filled outside. Let me put it another way. You were created for a purpose, but you will never discover that purpose separate from the creator. You will never discover what you're true. Because what you become is you think you become the fruit. I'm here to produce money. I'm here to manage a company. I'm here just to change diapers. I'm just here for this. You're just thinking fruit, 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 fruit. Separate from him, and I will tell you what occurs. Don't consult him. Let me tell you what happens. Absolute frustration with your purpose. I wonder how many right now under the sound of my voice and those listening at home are frustrated with your purpose. Frustrated. When you separate from him, you start doing the wrong things with your life. And some of those things might even appear like, well, it looks spiritual, it's in the Bible, but it may not be what he's asked you to do. How many of you got up this morning and had a cup of coffee? Let me ask you, did you pour it into the garbage disposal? Did you, put, did you, did you grind up stuff in the garbage disposal and get the water and then drain from the garbage disposal to get your coffee? Why? Because that's not the garbage disposal purpose. That's the same thing in your house. I mean, wouldn't it be terrible if you use your refrigerator to, to cook the turkey in and you use the oven to try to freeze it in and then serve it to people on Thanksgiving Day? Brother, we will have a healing lang like you have never seen. The refrigerator will not heat your food and the oven will not freeze your food and keep it preserved. The reason why it won't is because that is not what it's created for. And that's the exact same thing that we are seeing God's people do sometimes is they are not consulting God on what I should do. They're just looking at other people's fruit and say, I want that kind of fruit. I want to be that fruit. No, you're not a fruit. You're a branch. Stay connected to the vine. See what the vine says and then see what kind of fruit you produce. See, you, not only do you not produce that fruit, you lose your purpose. You can never maximize the potential of that appliance without the owner's manual. You can't maximize it. You gotta go, you can't use, you cannot, you, cannot, you cannot use the manual for the refrigerator to operate the oven. And so what's happening to so many believers, their purpose is being frustrated because they're not only asking God, they are not looking to his owner's manual, the word of God, to find out how I should function this gift. See, your purpose has to remain created, connected in his presence. Look at verse 3. He says, look, look, at this, look at this young prophet. These guys, I really believe that if he'd have said no, they'd have not built it. Because he represented the voice of God and the purpose of God. Watch this. Verse 3. He said, please come with us. Please come with us. Someone suggested. And he said, I will. He said. They were saying, we will work for you, but we will not work without you, God. I'm going to work for God, but I will not work without him. I want him telling Samurai, I don't care what another church does. I'm going to do what he says we're supposed to do. I've seen more churches get frustrated because they're taking, because they see fruit working in another church when that's not what God told them to do, and they're frustrated, and it's not producing. Do it with businesses. Mm, somebody say Amen. He says, I don't want you going, I don't want you separating from me. Can I put, go back to tethered for a moment? 
What's so interesting is you got this young, you got this young preacher, you got these young people wanting to do these great visions of God, but notice these prophets were wise enough to say, God, we don't want to do it without your permission. And, Father, we've got an older guy here that's been down the road, seen the miracles, washed the hands of Elijah the prophet, and we want him connected with us. Here's what I see. Too many churches and ministries want to separate from each other. We're just a young church, or we're just an old church. That's not what God wanted, because I'm telling you, they needed the young person, and the young person, let me tell you, you're going to need the older generation because that guy was the guy that was able to resurrect something that you couldn't resurrect, but it couldn't happen if you were disconnected from that generation. We need you to be the ones, older ones up here leading the worship. We need you to come up here and be worshiped. We need you to lead in the giving. We need you to lead in the witnessing. We need you to lead in the faith. Why? Because this generation needs you to help them resurrect something that they cannot resurrect on their own. You gotta stay connected to the presence of God. Because when God's presence is with you, he does something that no one else can do. This is why you gotta say, Father, is this your purpose? Is this really what you want in my life? Look, if a, if a multi-billionaire was in this room right now, that person would be present. And I would never know it. I mean, they'd come walk in bib overalls and be a multi-billionaire. And they could be here but I wouldn't have a clue they were here. But do you know how I would know they would be here? Is if all of a sudden they wrote me a check for a million dollars, I would discover there's the manifestation of something in that person. Then I would know there's more than just presence here. There's a manifestation of that presence. You can tell me you're full of the Spirit and you love, and I just love everybody, but if you're treating that server like a jerk, that's like the billionaire keeping the money in his pocket and never producing any kind of fruit. Can I tell you you have something better in you than a million dollars or a billion dollars? Can I tell you you have this treasure in earthen vessels? You have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And if you'll tap into him, he will show you your purpose. And he will maximize what he has put inside of you. How many believe it's time to take back your purpose? Not just your productivity, but take back your purpose from God. Mm, I'm coming in for a landing, everybody. Here's the last thing the Holy Spirit said. He wants to take back. Take back your power. Take back your power. Take back the loss of the power that God vested in you. Look at 2 Kings chapter 6 for 4. He says, when they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell off into the river. Oh, sir, he cried, it was a borrowed axe. Everybody say borrowed axe. A borrowed axe. The axe, friends, was the symbol of the power of God. It represented the, pre the power of God that was operating, moving things, chopping down things. Things are falling, timber, you hear a lot of noise. That was the power of God manifested. And he says, here, sir, let me just tell you, he says, it was a borrowed ax. Can I say this to you? That everything you have, even the breath in your lungs, is borrowed and it doesn't belong to you? If you ever use anything that belongs to somebody else, it was either, you either borrowed it from them or you stole it from them. How many have a neighbor that said he was borrowing and you have never seen that thing ever again? There are people stealing from God. Stealing. Stealing their talent from God. You know how you steal their talent? 
You make the touchdown, young man. You make the cheerleading squad. It was my ability. You stole the talent from God. You made your first million dollars. I made the first million dollars. Tell everybody, I made the first million. Let me tell you how I did it. You just stole the talent from God. You got a good grade. Well, look at how I did. Oh, it's nice. God bless you. You did good. But everything you have is because God gave it to you. It's borrowed. People, their time. The time is the one thing. You make more money, but you'll never get time back. And, you, and we take that time from God. Let me tell you how grateful I am for those of you that come to church every single Sunday. Because you could have been painting the fence, you could have been shoveling the drive, but you said, I want my time to be with God because I want my purpose and I want my productivity from God. Help me to thank God for the brothers and sisters in the house of God saying, I want to give my time back to God. So many of you have discovered that your money's not yours because when you think it's yours, you do what you want with it. And that's the reason why you return the giving back to God. You always return it to giving back to God, the tithe back to God. Why? Because you know it's borrowed and none of it belongs to you. When you hold it, it means I own it and I belong to it. And that's why you're frustrated in your finances all the time. That's when you get all the money you want. It's still frustrating because you can't do the things you want. You just can't. You, you, there's no joy in it because you're never releasing to God. We take the credit from God. Listen, friends, I want you to know that you and I have the title deed to nothing. I don't own the title deed to these clothes. I don't own the title deed to the breath of my body, my time, my mind, the intellect, every bit of it. None of it belongs to Sam Rifle. It is all on loan from God, and one day I will give an account. Did it produce fruit, or was it a dead thing? How many thank God we belong to the Lord, and we're going to keep producing for the kingdom of God, and that power is going to come out of you. You can swing that axe. You can swing that axe and not even realize you're losing the power. This man wasn't lazy, everybody. He wasn't lazy. He, listen, he wasn't lying down. He didn't lose it laying down. He lost it standing up doing things for God. This is my biggest thing for me, I'm going to tell you, is I can be doing things for God and not know the axe head is slipping. Thank God for the Holy Spirit conviction and for this woman right here that tells me when it's slipping. I have discovered that my wife's voice sounds a lot like the Holy Spirit. It's not that you're, listen, it's not that you're a bad student. It's not that you're, it's not that you're a bad business person, a bad housewife, a bad husband. That's not the point. That's not what this is about. In fact, you're probably doing really good at it. But the reality was this guy was diligent at his work, but neglecting at his watch. He didn't check with the Spirit. When you stay disconnected, you don't know when stuff is slipping. Slipping. Chopping, but not checking. So I want to ask every person, including the pastor, has your axe head slipped? Is it slipping? Mm-mm-mm-mm. If you've lost your axe head, you're going, Pastor, how do I get this back? How do I get that back? I love what the prophet says to him. Because we lost it. It was borrowed. It wasn't even mine. And I, I can see that I can, it, it slipped. I just, I just, I was working so hard, I didn't notice it was slipping. And it fell off into, into the Jordan River. And the prophet looks at him and says, where did it fall? The man of God asked. Where did, everybody say that with me. Where did it fall? Here's the deal. You've got to go back to where you lost it. The place of recovery is always the place of the departure. If you want to recover it, you've got to go back to the place where it departed from you. 
Oh, how many, how many of you are notorious? You have the same anointing as I do in the ability to lose your keys. My, Aunt Brenda gets so tired. Where'd I, where'd I put my wedding ring? Where'd I, where'd I put my wedding ring? So I, I did, did something. I bought two wedding rings. And then I got one just a little bit bigger than the other one so when I eat salty stuff and I swell up, I can put on my wedding ring. I, I, I really do. <laughs> I bought it at Walmart, okay? I put my nice ring in a good safe place and just bought this because I... But I and, and if I lose... I said, where do, where, do, where do I put my keys? Where do I put my keys? And I'm going to tell you, this is the most irritating response. <sighs> where did you leave them last? <laughs> and how many want to go, if I had known where I left them, I'd go back. You want to say it. <laughs> that is the dumbest question I've ever heard. Where did you leave it last? That is the dumbest question. Don't ask me that. It may be a dumb question but it is the right question. In your marriage, what are the things that you were doing that you stopped doing when you were dating that attracted you to each other? It doesn't fall off. It just slips. We're just not compatible. Nobody's compatible. Are you insane? None of us are compatible. The only person you're compatible with is yourself, and you have a challenge with you. Wasn't you just not compatible? You were just having sex, but you weren't paying attention. Let me ask you, is it slipping? Dumb question, but you put, to take it back, you must go back. You remember that first time you got saved? It's the same thing Jesus had to say to the churches. Go back to your first love. Go back to where you have fallen. Irritating question, dumb question, but what were you doing when you first got saved? What was the joy? What was the passion? Where was the drive? Where was that presence with God? I mean, even driving your car, you were having church in your car. Everybody else would be cussing around you on the assembly line, and you were sitting there just having a time with the Lord, praying while you're sitting there doing the same thing every day, and you were connecting to the vine, and you'd walk out with joy, and your job seemed joyful because you were connected. It, it wasn't about the fruit. It was about the connection. You got to go back. Yeah, but pastor, I've done so many bad things. Pastor, if you just knew the sin, if you just knew what I've done, if you knew my past, if you knew the abortions, if you knew what kind of things I was involved in, Jesus would never take me. This is so beyond, this is so far beyond. I can't get my joy back. I can't get my purpose back. I have blown it, pastor. Oh, I've got word for you. God is resurrecting things that you have absolutely given up on. He is bringing them back. He is doing take backs for you. You say, well, how is he gonna do it? Let me take you to verse six, and then we're gonna, we're gonna pray. He said, where did it fall? The man of God asked. When he showed him the place. So God's always gonna ask you, 
Where was the place when it starts slipping? He's going to take you back to it. Where you started drifting away from God. Where did it go? He showed him. Then Elijah took a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Threw it right there. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Again, the Jordan is a muddy river. You couldn't see nothing. It's moving swift. Current's moving fast. Muddy, fast flowing. And I don't know, maybe, maybe all of a sudden you, were, you, you didn't expect to get caught in the flow of this. Pastor, I, just, I don't understand. I just got caught in the flow of this. And now the mud, the mud of the world, the, the sin of the world is attached itself to me. The sin into my mind. It just, I, just, I, I didn't want this to get in there, but it's gotten in there. And I, I just started, the things I started watching, the things I started listening to, the people I was hanging out, the places we were going. I just, now I'm caught in this current and I can't seem to get out of this current. And it's so muddy I can't even see where I'm going. I've lost it all. Maybe, it's, maybe you're in the current of self. Maybe the thing impurity sees so bad and you say, now how did I get in this bondage? How did I get here? I, come on, I'm, Pastor, I raised my hands this morning and I'm still bound in porn. I was worshiping, I'm still bound in this mud. How do I get out of it, Pastor? Oh, there's a lot of great things we have here that'll help you, so many great things, but let me tell you where it ultimately is gonna take you. He took a stick and that stick was the picture of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ himself a stick a branch and do you know what Jeremiah called Jesus Christ he called him the righteous branch later he would be called the righteous branch of King David the picture of the sacrifice that would get us out of the mud and the current and the grip of bondage and the mud of sin. And when Jesus Christ died on that cross, the Father threw the stick of his Son into that river of death. And when it hit that river of death, can I tell you something? Life came forth and you and I were born again when we gave our life to him and he resurrected us out of that mud. He resurrected us out of that and he brought us to a place where God is using us again in our purpose and our productivity for the kingdom of God. He said, I want that. Oh, one more thing. God can offer the stick. God can give you the power. But here's the deal. Elisha looked at him in verse 7. He says, grab it. Everybody say that with me. Grab it. Grab it, Elisha said. Grab it. And the man reached out and grabbed it. Satan says, no take backs. And Jesus says, you can take it all back. But you cannot let your mama and your daddy grab this for you. You cannot let Pastor Sam grab it for you. I'm not going to win this town to God. You can't make me do all the grabbing. You can't make your mom and daddy do all the grabbing. You can't let your husband do all the grabbing for the marriage. You can't let your wife do all the grabbing. He said, if you want this, everything is there for you. The cross is there for you. The power is there for you. The purpose is there for you. But now, will you go back to that spot and will you grab it from that spot, that thing that God has resurrected for you? How many are ready to grab everything that the Father has given you through Jesus Christ, the Son? Grab it. Grab it.